0: how about that huh (laughs) Uh, welcome everyone this morning if we haven't met my name's Ryan and I'm the student in 1825 director here at Life Point Marion and I'm super glad and super excited to be here with you this morning Um, if you're a student grade 6 to 12 or if you're a young adult age 18 to 25 and you're not already part of one of our groups I would totally encourage you to come see me after the service and we get you plugged into to uh, what God's doing in those groups. God's doing some really awesome things in those groups, and we want you to be a part of that. So I couldn't get up here and not shamelessly plug my groups. Um, so the Super Mario movie, we're going through these movies in this series called Now Playing, where we, as Brad said, we look at the themes of these movies and we say, okay, what is this movie really saying here? What is, what's the message that this movie's getting across? And then how do we then receive that message and we take it and we say, does this align or not align with what I believe in the Bible? This movie was a super fun watch, one that I really personally enjoyed due to my upbringing, you know, playing video games. I played Mario games growing up and I think most of us are probably familiar with who Mario is, but in the case that you're not, Mario is the main character in a series of video games that dates all the way back to the early 1980s. So if you've owned a Nintendo console over the last 40 years, you more than likely know who Mario is. And in these games, Mario typically sets out on an adventure to save Princess Peach from the evil villain named Bowser. But this movie, it's a, it's a little different from the games in the sense that it's more of an origin story of how Mario came to be. So the movie, it starts out, and you have Mario and his brother Luigi, and they're viewing a commercial that they just made for this plumbing business that they just started together. After that, they're immediately met with their old boss, who they used to work for, and he does nothing but shame them and discourage them for trying to start their own plumbing business. And in the midst of this conversation, they receive a call from their first customer, and they end up going there and trying to fix a leak, and they fail horribly. And then they return home to a family who mostly just voices more discouragement over them. And in frustration, Mario then goes to his room and Luigi shortly follows. And while they're in the room, they're watching TV. Pardon me. They're watching TV in their room and they see that Brooklyn, the city that they live in, is in trouble due to flooding. The sewers have backed up. And Mario, he sees this as a prime opportunity to showcase his capabilities and to prove to himself and the world that he's not a failure. So he's going to save Brooklyn and and fix this flooding problem that they have. So Mario and Luigi, they set out, they go down to Brooklyn where the flooding is and they venture down into the sewers and they quickly realize this is more than they have bargained for. And while they're venturing down around in the sewers, they come across a green pipe, which ends up sucking them up and transporting them to this whole other world. And in the midst of the in-between of worlds, Mario and Luigi are separated. And Luigi, he ends up in this dark, cloudy area. And Mario, he ends up in a place called the Mushroom Kingdom. And when Mario gets to the Mushroom Kingdom, he's immediately greeted by a little mushroom man named Toad. And when Mario describes his situation to Toad, Toad tells Mario, he's like, hey, man, your your brother's in trouble. He ended up in the Dark Lands, and that's ruled by Bowser. You should probably be worried about your brother. So Toad, though, he tells Mario, I can help you. I can set you up with Peach, who is the princess and ruler of our kingdom. She'll be able to help you out. So Mario ends up going and meeting with Peach, and they have a united goal in defeating Bowser, so they team up. Mario wants to save his brother, and Bowser poses a threat to the Mushroom Kingdom, so they're going to unite and work together to bring down Bowser. And that pretty much sets up the story of this movie. You have a typical bad guy who wants to rule the world by any means necessary, and you have an unassuming hero in Mario who overcomes the odds to prove that good will in fact overcome evil. And as much as I enjoyed this movie, I kind of had a hard time picking out a theme that I wanted to teach on. I mean, it's a very fun, loving family movie, but there's not a real, like, not a lot of deepness in it, I guess, to say. And, but after some more thought, I think the theme that stood out the most to me was perseverance. You see, throughout this movie, Mario is constantly being discouraged by nearly everyone he meets. Immediately, in the beginning of the movie, his old boss just discourages the heck out of him and laughs in his face, and then he then returns home to a family who also does not believe in him. I mean, even when Mario gets to the Mushroom Kingdom and meets up with Peach, her, her reaction to Mario's goal to defeat Bowser, she, she just says to him, she's like, well, uh, you're pretty short. He's probably just going to eat you. On top of that, Mario, he experiences many failures in this journey. I mean, he ruined the first bathroom that he went to and his plumbing business. I mean, ruined it. He did not fix the flood that Brooklyn was facing. He lost his brother. Um, There's kind of like this obstacle course that he has to go through to like prove his capabilities and his worth to Peach before they set out on their adventure. And Peach, she just does it like so flawlessly and effortlessly, like makes it look like it's the easiest thing in the world. And Mario fails like probably a hundred times, and he never even ends up completing it. I mean, he just faces failure after failure. There's like a laundry list of the opposition that Mario faces in this movie, but because of his ability to persevere, he ends up saving his brother, and the goal is accomplished. And I think perseverance is a very fitting theme for this movie, considering that's like a principle that's largely taught in these video games. I mean, in the Mario games we play, you don't just beat them on the first try. You fail, and you fail again, but you keep on trying, and through Perseverance, you end up beating the game. So I think Perseverance is very fitting for the story of the Super Mario Brothers. So that's what we're going to be lurking through today. I have four questions that we're going to answer and walk through together about Perseverance. The first one being, what is Perseverance? The second one, why do we need it? The third, how can we do it? And fourth, why do we do it? So let's dig into it, but before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time that we get to spend here together, and I pray that as we're here, Lord, that you would just, you would touch our hearts and our minds, that you would have an encounter with us, and that we would leave here changed because of your power, because of your spirit. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here together. We love you, we thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray. So what is the definition of perseverance? Perseverance means to persist in a state enterprise or undertaking in spite of counter-influences, opposition, or discouragement. So perseverance is to persist. So what does persist mean exactly? Persist means to go on resolutely or stubbornly in spite of opposition or warning. So perseverance, it's the ability to press on and continue forward toward a goal despite opposition. So what is perseverance in the scope of the Bible? The theologian Charles Spurgeon said this of perseverance, "'Perseverance is the badge of true saints. The Christian life is not just a beginning only in the ways of God, but also a continuance in the same as long as life lasts.'" So the idea of perseverance is something that the Bible speaks about many times. In the New Testament, in the NIV translation, the word perseverance comes up 13 separate times. You see, Jesus and the early church, they faced much opposition and hardship, so the ability to persevere was vital to their lives. So what is biblical perseverance? Perseverance. Perseverance in the scope of the Bible is living out God's will and following Jesus in our lives despite opposition from the world. Whether it gets us mocked, made fun of, threatened, or even puts us in danger, we will proclaim the name of Jesus no matter the cost. So why do we need perseverance? We're going to look at a couple verses out of the Gospel of Matthew. The first one is Matthew ten twenty-two. It says, You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The next verse is Matthew 24, verses 12 and 13. It says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So in our faith and our walk with Jesus, we must stand firm all the way to the end of our lives. Like the quote we read from Charles Spurgeon just now, the Christian life, it's not only a beginning in the ways of God, but also a continuance in the life of God as long as life lasts. We cannot endure and stand firm in our faith until the very end of our lives without having perseverance. And Mario, in this movie, he stands firm to the very end despite all the hardship and discouragement he faces. Regardless of how bad the odds are, no matter how much trouble comes his way his ability to persevere and weather the storms of his story, his goal is accomplished because of that. However, none of us will get to the finish line or get to the goal at the end of our lives if we give up halfway through. Like Mario, there's going to be obstacle after obstacle in our way trying to discourage us. We even have an enemy who's actively working against us and the devil. Our faith requires us to persevere to the very end. And Jesus knew that. And that's why time after time in the New Testament, we're encouraged to press on in our faith. John 16:33 says the following, this is Jesus speaking, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, Jesus knew that we were going to have troubles in this world, but we can take heart because he's already overcome the world. And some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, why then, if Jesus has already overcome the world, do I need to have perseverance? And that's a good question. And I think there's a big misconception within Christianity that once we claim faith in Jesus, that, you know, we're just done and we can go back to life as normal. And that's not the case. In some ways, we have reached the finish line when we put our faith in Jesus. We've reached the finish lines of our life before Jesus, We've reached the finish line of trying to earn and work our way to God. But we've crossed a new starting line, and that starting line is our life that we are now living with Jesus. So 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If we're in Christ, we are forgiven for our sin and we're saved from the eternal consequences of it. We went from a state of spiritual death to spiritual life. We are made clean and altogether new in Christ. So that old race we were running or that old life we were living before Christ has now come to an end. We're now running a new race with new difficulties, new hardships that are brought on because we follow Jesus. It's a new life that the world is set up in opposition against. Many things in this new race are engineered against us and our walk with God. And we have an enemy who's actively going to be working against us to try to get us to turn our backs, give up, and deny Jesus. Following Jesus could cost us relationships. It could cause us to be criticized. Following God's way is much harder than following our own way. And we're bound to make mistakes along the way. So getting back to the question, why do we need to have perseverance. Because faith that fails to persevere is destined for destruction. If we can't persevere through the hardships that are brought on by following Jesus, we're going to give up, we're going to turn back, we're going to deny Jesus. Secondly, perseverance proves a true faith in Jesus. And just to be clear, we aren't saved because we persevere. We persevere because we're saved. It's Our ability to persevere is evidence of our faith in Jesus. So moving on to our next question, how can we then persevere? Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says the following, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run the race with perseverance. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There's a lot to unpack here, so let's get started. We have a therefore at the beginning of the first verse. So as Paul would always say, you know, that means we need to look back at what was before this. And so in Hebrews 11, the chapter before this verse starts, it's called the Hall of Faith chapter. And if you've been here with us for a while, this is the chapter that we went over in our core values, okay? And this chapter, it's all about going through the lives of people who went ahead of us in our faith and have persevered through many hardships and trials. But despite all that, they made great displays of faith and they're remembered for that. So coming into this verse, we should consider those who have gone before us in the faith and be encouraged by their lives. Knowing that there are people who have gone before us and gone through things that we will go through and are currently going through, that should bring us hope. That should bring us encouragement. We should then also consider all of those around us in the great cloud of witnesses, those who are pursuing Jesus with us now in our journey. And that should also bring us encouragement. From there, We should then cast sin out of our lives. Casting sin is important because sin is never in line with the will of God. If we have sin in our lives, it's just going to deter us from God and our walk with God. And notice also in verse one that it says, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So not everything that's holding us back from running the race of faith is necessarily a sin. I think we can really easily fall into the ideology that, well, if it's not expressly noted in the Bible as a sin, then it's okay. And, you know, here it's a little different because we're told to cast off anything that could even so much as hinder us in our walk with God. So I think when we're evaluating things that we need to weed out of our lives, I don't think the question we should be asking ourselves is, is it a sin or not? I think the question we need to be asking ourselves is, is this pushing me closer to Jesus or is this pulling me further from Jesus? I think there's a lot of things that could kind of just fall into a gray area where it's like, well, it's not bad, but it's not really good. I mean, I just do it. I mean, when I was thinking about this, um, first thing that came to my mind, I mean, I don't, I don't think scrolling Facebook Marketplace is a sin, um, but as much as I do it, it's probably close. I, I mean, when, it, when, <laughs> it, you know, when we just spend hours doing something that's not serving us, when we should be doing something else, it's hindering us at that point. It's, it's pulling us away from the things that we should be doing or the things that we need to be doing, so we need to cast it out. It's a weight at that point. So from there... After we've casted these things out, we then run the race set before us with perseverance. How? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. In verse 3, it says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. So how can just considering Jesus somehow make us not grow weary or lose heart? Well, let's look back at the Mario movie. In the Mario movie, we see that Mario never gave up because his heart was set on saving his brother. He always had his eyes on the prize, so to speak, and whenever he was faced with opposition or hardship, his response was always, we have to save my brother. To to him, giving up was not an option. He considered his brother, Luigi, in the face of opposition, and that's what gave him the motivation to continue on. You see, Mario had conviction. To him, he was going to give his best effort even to the point of death, and he would stop at nothing to save his brother, even if it meant dying. He would never be able to live with himself if he turned his back on his brother, and quite frankly, I don't think he even wanted to live life without his brother. So do we feel that way about Jesus? Would we go to any lengths for Jesus? Would we be okay living a life without Jesus. I mean, like, how real is Jesus to us? Because if he isn't real to us, and he isn't the person that we love and desire most, are, are we going to endure anything for him? Not so fun fact, but it's believed that 10 of the 12 original disciples died martyr deaths, meaning they were killed simply just because they followed Jesus. There's an organization called Open Doors and they estimate that in 2023, just last year, every single day, 13 people were killed because they believed in Jesus, they were martyred. And living in America, we're blessed in the sense that we don't ever have to really think about things like that. But I think there's also kind of a problem because I feel like it's rare that we ever even consider the cost of following Jesus. And to be clear, I'm not talking about just like saying that we believe in Jesus. I'm talking about following Jesus, like really following Jesus, giving him every part of us, that even the pieces and parts that we don't want to give, not just claiming him as Savior, but making him Lord over every area of our lives. You know, our faith in Jesus, it speaks the loudest by the way that we live our lives. People notice how how we live and what we go through. And a faith that doesn't ever cost us anything, it's not going to prove anything to anyone. But when we live our lives fully convinced that no amount of trial or hardship or opposition is worth forsaking Jesus or his ways or his word, then people will see that this is more than just something to believe in. See, our dedication to his word and his way, it comes with a cost. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus addresses the cost of being his disciple. Jesus says, the Bible says, "'Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them,' he said, "'if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple.'" Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. It's a heavy verse. And Jesus, just to be clear here, he's not saying that you've got to hate all of your loved ones and feel negative emotions towards them. What he's saying is you've got to love him more than anything or anyone else. When we say we believe in Jesus, we're not following our own way in life anymore. We're following Jesus. He's not just our Savior, but our Lord. That means we must pick up our cross and follow him. You know, back in Jesus' time, picking up your cross meant you were picking up the thing that you were going to die on, and you were carrying it on a one-way road to your death. And I think it's kind of crazy that Jesus had all these people wanting to follow him, and he turns around and almost lists off a handful of reasons to scare them off. And Jesus, of course, he wasn't trying to scare them off. He just wanted them to realize that following him came with a cost, and it wasn't going to be easy. See, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, it's important that we count the cost of following him and realize the consequences and the implications of following him. And those consequences and implications are going to require perseverance. So with that in mind, how can we persevere? We can persevere by considering those who have gone before us and by faith persevered in the past, and we can consider those currently walking with us. We can be encouraged. We can persevere because of that. Next, we can persevere by casting off sin and the weights hindering us from following Jesus. And thirdly, and most importantly, we can persevere by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. So down to my last and final question, why do we persevere? Let's look back at the Mario movie again. Why did Mario persevere in this movie? He endured and persevered for his brother. Why? Because he loved his brother dearly. His love for his brother is what drove him and allowed him to press on and persevere in even the most difficult opposition. He loved his brother more than his own life, and though he ended up fine, he put his life on the line for his brother. And at the end of his journey, his reward was simply just having his brother. Do we love Jesus like that? Because just to be clear, that's what the walk of our faith is all about. When we get to heaven, he is our true reward. Don't get me wrong, there's going to be countless great things about heaven. No more death, no more sorrow, no more tears, loved ones, like, it's going to be great. But our real reward is being in the presence of our Creator and dwelling with Him forever. That's what it's all about. So does our love for Jesus spur us on the way Mario's love for Luigi spurred him on? Or do we see following Jesus as optional or obligated or only when it's easy? Do we just say that we believe in Jesus so we have a get-out-of-hell-free card and we just go on living our lives however we want? Are we following Jesus in hopes that he'll just bless us and we can have a good life? Like, why are we even following Jesus in the first place? Think about the crowd that Jesus spoke to in Luke 14 that we just read, read about. I bet there were people following in that crowd just because they saw a crowd that they wanted to be a part of. I bet there were people following in that crowd just because they wanted to witness something cool or awesome. Jesus knew that there was people in that crowd who were following for reasons that weren't sustainable. That's why he turned around and he said what he said. That's why he shared the reality that following him wasn't easy but rather very difficult. And he knew that when the hard times come that those people would not stick around. If we're following Jesus for what he can give us, the moment he doesn't give us what we want, We're going to turn back. If we're following Jesus for a good life, then when our lives aren't good, how quickly are we just going to abandon him and his ways? See, our willingness to persevere hardship for Jesus, it's rooted in the reason or the why that we're following. And if our willingness to persevere hardship for the name of Jesus is rooted in anything other than our love for him, we're setting ourselves up for failure. You see, where this all starts is having the right understanding of the gospel. When we come to the end of ourselves and we realize that we're not enough, when we realize that we're dead in our sin and we're sinners in desperate need of a savior, then we can begin to understand the weight of the sacrifice that Jesus willingly chose and lovingly made on the cross. He took our sin and punishment upon himself so that we may be forgiven, clean, and live forever with him, free from the eternal consequences of sin. So why do we persevere? We persevere because we love Jesus. We persevere because Jesus already persevered the greatest hardship in human history for us. He laid down his life for us, so we lay down our lives for him. Before we wrap up, I wanna look over a couple passages. The first one's in Romans, it's Romans 5, one through five. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, So when we suffer in this life, friends, we can rejoice because this is no longer pointless suffering. It's suffering with a purpose. It's suffering that's going to teach us and grow us. We can rejoice when we face suffering because we're not alone in it anymore. We have God indwelling us with the Holy Spirit who's going to be there with us in the midst of the suffering. And we can rejoice most of all because this suffering is only temporary. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, Our suffering is light and temporary and is producing for us an eternal glory that is greater than anything we can imagine. We have a God who took all of the worst suffering for us, a God who's given us all the love, forgiveness, mercy, and grace that we could have never earned. He just simply gave it to us because he loves us that much. And compared to the suffering that Jesus endured, the suffering that we face is light and it's temporary, and it's going to be over forever once we move on from this lives. Not to mention, he's going to be walking through all of it with us. So as it says in 1 Timothy, let's fight the good fight of faith with persevering hearts for Jesus. If you're here today and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, or maybe you want to take a next step of faith, I would definitely encourage you to do that. I'll say that Living for Jesus is much harder than living for the world. I used to be living for the world. But I'll tell you what, it's the best thing that you could ever do, and I could not imagine life without Jesus. So I'm going to go ahead and pray us out, and if you'd like to take a next step of faith, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, let's bow our heads.